Hi, I'm Trenton Stander. Hi, I'm Tim Brown. And, and this is the Open Heart Cast. Three, two, one. Good day. Oh, no, this is a terrible way to start a podcast. <laughs> We're going to leave it like that. Why? Because. I feel like such a retard. I, I, I was like going to like introduce it properly and then I was just like, good day. Uh, yeah. yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I kind of just had a brain fart there. Okay. How's it going, Tim? Uh, fan-fucking-tastic, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to this this week's episode of the Open Hearth Cast. It's 21. Episode 21? No. Oh, 22? 22. 22. Goodness yeah, me. So I keep losing track of where we're at right Don't now. worry. I don't even know it's what been, day it is. It's been pretty hectic <laughs> outside. Yeah, uh, this whole, as the one philosophy or psychology lecture I've been watching is welcome to the coronavirus apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> so we've had Mark Manson. No, it's uh, that uh, psychology oh, lecture. Okay. That I've okay, been watching. Okay. So yeah, we thought what we're going to start out with is the open hearth cost. Where does it come from? What are we actually about? Because we haven't really discussed it. So, I think before we get into this discussion, let's let's just give everybody a little bit of a recap as to how this actually started. Because how this actually started is pretty, I think, essential to the story yeah. of how we met, yeah. how we started working together. Because yeah. what we're doing here is pretty cool. Like we we see each other all the time. Yeah. We we're friends, but we're yeah. also working together in a sense. Yes, and uh, and we. We we both trying to do something that we not only enjoy, but we are doing in a way to provide information and just provide interesting discussions and topics and things that we like to discuss. Or and and doing that openly is a very uh, different thing. A lot of people are doing podcasts now, and and let's get into how we actually started doing exactly that. So it started out actually with the. The 48-hour uh, dagger ball. No, it's bullshit. No, no. That's what you <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> so it started out... Uh, we, I knew of Trenton. Yeah. And I think he, he knew of me because he wanted, at some stage he wanted to order a knife. But yeah. That's, I'd spoken to you once before. Yeah. So we half knew each other. And then with the 48-hour dagger build, mm. we got to chat more. And Trenton does a lot of – used to do a lot of live streams on Instagram and Facebook and stuff. And um, on one of the, on a couple of these feeds, we actually – I said, you know, why don't we just fucking start a podcast? Because mm. we both uh, listen to a lot of Joe Rogan. Um, and we're inspired by that sort of format of podcast. But yeah. obviously, we can't start the Joe Rogan experience again. We, but, we could, that, that, that essentially was the whole thing. Because mm-hmm. we enjoyed the, mm-hmm. the, the Joe Rogan uh, podcast so mm-hmm. much, it was like a highlight of my day. Mm-hmm. Like it was a rewarding part of my day to listen to that podcast, mm-hmm. just to let myself listen to interesting discussions. But you, you eventually get to a point where you almost mm-hmm. want to be part of those discussions mm-hmm. and and have them with people, and then allow other people to listen to that and just just mm-hmm. share your thoughts on a public platform is a very interesting thing that we're able to do these days. Oh, so eventually, 
you know, after much back and forth on live Facebook and Instagram, me jumping on his feed and shit like that, we decided we're gonna we're gonna do a podcast. Yeah. So then we had to come up with a name. So I came up with the name Open Hearth Cast because we wanted it to end with, you know, something to do with a podcast. Yeah. And in the old days, you know, pre-electricity, the hearth or the fireplace in the home mm. was the heart of the home. Mm. And they were in like the Viking ages, that mm. fireplace was open. It was an open hearth fire. Yes. And in the family or the tribe or whatever environment, that hearth was mm. where everybody came <clears throat> together to tell stories, have discussions. And we wanted to have long-form conversation around like a fireplace type thing where we would talk a little bit about knife making but more generally just have long-form conversations and see where they end up yes so that was my take on it so Trenton what was your take on the whole name and how we got to it and yeah, so just just basically to give my sort of perspective on 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 how this all started and 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 what the podcast is about, is yeah, Tim and I started chatting on Facebook about uh, doing a podcast together. I had been wanting to do a podcast for a very long time with somebody, and uh, that was inspired when I was that was that was something that seemed more possible after I had done a. Uh, after I was interviewed by my friend um, <coughs> Megan, <Not quite> bitch. <laughs> Megan uh, Dorothy, I mm. think it is. Anyway, so her, I'll actually put a link up to her podcast as well. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so Megan uh, interviewed me on her podcast about knife making and, and bushcrafting and all that stuff and doing ends poaching in the Western Cape and, and, I enjoyed the conversation so much and realized that this could be something that I would enjoy doing on a more regular basis. And so when I spoke to Tim about it and he was keen, I was just like, let's go for this. This, yeah. is, this is really something we want. So sometimes we'll dabble a little bit into knife making. Yeah. But we also want to have the long, deep conversations and, yeah. and explore thought, Yeah. if we would say it like that. Yeah. And also we wanted, while we have other makers on, is because we also want to do a little bit of giving back to our audiences and, you know, share other makers' stories so that, you know, they get a, a, a fantastic, huge, you know, worldwide fame from being on our podcast eventually. Yeah, <laughs> at some point. At, at some, some point. point. But Look, also we here's, here, here's the other ambition mm -hmm. for the podcast. We've got many reasons for it. And and as I was explaining earlier, we enjoy doing this. It's not a labor. No. Um, and, and we enjoy having these discussions with people about relative things that are relative to our lives in terms of we are knife makers, yes. But we are not, uh, let's say, pros at knife mm. making. We know a few things here we, and there. We are pros. We pro bearders. <laughs> <laughs> So, that's so, so, for, for just trying. <laughs> so that's the thing. But we are very good friends. Mm. And in these long-term conversations, one of the things that I appreciate is getting to interact with somebody on all sorts of 
differing subjects and being able to agree and disagree in a in a way that is non confrontational mm. and it's and it's an interesting thing to learn how do you develop a relationship with somebody that you don't want to fight with yeah you don't like i mean i don't if I were to have a, a fight with you, it would be a very weird thing for me. I wouldn't yeah. know how to fight with you. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, we have bickering mm. between us, but it's just more fun, playful bickering. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, and it's just interesting to have that sort of relationship in your life where you're able to have a friend that you're not really wanting to ever pursue a fight with. I mean, it may happen, yeah. but. Oh, well, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's just a very interesting thing. So that's that's another reason why we like doing the open hearthcast. And when when Tim suggested the name to me, I was very on board with it because I liked what he said about it. He said that the the hearth was the the place where stories were told, where everything was discussed. And uh, I'm a I'm a very big time spiritual kind of feeling person. Like mm. I like that whole tribal nostalgia. nostalgia about the human interaction at stories mm. and in in the warmth of a fire um, how many thousands and thousands of years has this not been a part of human culture and it's such an interesting thing and we're losing it yeah and and people are not appreciating that that root of this is where we came from, guys. Mm. Get back to this. Yeah, Get it, back to this interaction over all this bullshit about interacting over video form all the all the time. Mm. Interacting with somebody in a way where your distraction is only the fire and the sounds of the night mm. is such a beautiful way to conduct a conversation. Mm. It's not like having music in the background of having a a person-to-person connection. Mm. I mean, that can also be very pleasant in its own way, but it's a very spiritual thing when you're interacting with somebody in a deep, meaningful way next to a fire and the, and the sounds of the African bush are playing in the background Yeah, or whatever wilderness environment you're in. It's beautiful. And the thing is, if you can't have long-form conversations, you can't develop your thought and your understanding yeah so i watch way too much youtube videos on psychology and philosophy and things like that so (laughs) the only way to form an opinion is to discuss it and form arguments for or against and you can't do that by yourself yeah i mean i talk to myself a lot but you know the other person in my head tends to be an arsehole sometimes (laughs) but having having the space to have a long-form conversation media environment and people being offended and blah de blah it's shouldn't take things too personally mm. but you must be able to have the discussion because if you can't have the discussion you can't get the understanding so even if i disagree with trent on some things at least i understand why he his belief system is that way yes um and his thought process is that way and we can agree to disagree yeah um but also, it doesn't mean that I have to continue disagreeing. If he says something that's valid, and I see the, val- the validity in that argument, it's going to inform my opinion. It's like, hang on, but I didn't think about it that way. Yes. And that's the whole point of the podcast, is to yes. have these discussions. And, you know? 
I agree. It's a very interesting point that as well is that you in this culture that we live in today, and I'm not look, I'm not trying to pretend to be a self-righteous idiot. I've got issues, I've got problems that I'm trying to work on, and I'm not trying to judge anybody. Mm. But what I am saying is I feel like far too many people get offended these days over very little things. It's the paradox. Very, very trivial things. It's the paradox of progress. Yes, it is the paradox of progress. It's exactly that. Mark Manson, shout well, out. So we, we, uh, we're going to get into that because the, the title of this episode is <laughs> Everything is Fucked. Sure. <laughs> Which comes from his book, by the way. Yes, um, inspired by his book. He's a very fascinating writer, actually, because Trenton's busy with Everything's Fucked. I've only listened to his, his other book, um, the Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, which is a book about values. I've got it. I just need to read it. I'm still busy with... Uh, yeah, one at a time, because your brain yes. works slowly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the first book is about values and about trying to decide if... What are your values and are those values good or not? And the second book, Everything is Fucked, is a book about hope. So the book starts off with the, the paradox of progress. So the better life gets, the more problems we've taught to find. Right. So, you know, in the old days, if you look at, at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it starts with your base needs like shelter, food, water, whatever. Then there's growth needs and blah, and you move up to finally right at the top of the pyramid is self-actualization. Now, in the old days, we had to, our focus was on surviving and getting food. That's it. Mm. Now, life has never been better on this planet for the average person <laughs> in terms of <coughs> take out the head. <coughs> <coughs> Life has never been easier, so to say, for people in terms of survivability. We've got modern medicine, we've got you know, advanced infrastructure, but now the problems we have are, so to say, first world problems. Yep. It's not to say everybody, but now the human mind, I think, works in a way, if you don't have problems, your brain will find more problems. Not so. I agree. I agree. The thing, the thing about it is like you was you were saying it earlier. Uh, I think I'm on the same point. Yeah. yeah. By saying this, is you were saying earlier that, and I don't know if you were quoting somebody. I think you were. I think you were quoting Mark Manson. Everyone, not mistaken. I'm not sure. When you were saying that nothing, uh, nothing comes without suffering. That that comes from who's that from? Uh, it's from a number of sources. Okay. So it's uh, from Jordan Peterson, who who brings that from like Nietzsche, Dostoevsky, Solzhenitsyn. Okay, so it's a it's a it's a philosoph philosophical and psychological thing that nothing comes without suffering. Life is suffering. Okay. So you have to choose what is worth suffering for. That's your values, which comes from Mark Manson. And as Goggin says, we're going to have to do push-ups again at some stage. Yes. You know, there can be no growth without suffering. Yes. So if you want to get fit, you have to exercise, which is suffering. 
but the goal at the end is worth the suffering. When the value at the end is not worth the suffering, then it falls by the wayside. And if you think about that, if you just think about that, people who who strive to be fit and look after their health, mm. people who are, are very disciplined in that way, mm. and doing it natural, like mm. if people do it naturally, they're even more so. They they get a beautiful build. They've got. Uh, they they well rounded out human beings. They've got this discipline about them because it's something that they've done to a degree that they were willing to push themselves mentally to get to the point where I can force myself to suffer in this pers- persistent habit to be better than the average me. Yeah. Well, now uh, now you've pushed your mental capacity to get to that point, which makes it easier in other aspects to understand the same things to extrapolate from that habit that you've developed to become successful in other avenues of life because you've learned that discipline. And uh, <coughs> Jocko Willink, the one other guy I listened to, but, um, his favorite saying is discipline equals freedom. So if you can work in that discipline of I get up at this time and you don't have to exercise. I get up at this time and I'll have a cup of coffee and I'll just think about the world or whatever. But if you get into that step of discipline, the discipline will then provide you the freedom later on. So if you have that discipline like, okay, I'm going to get up, I'm going to go to the gym or whatever – and then your day's already started off. I've got a win in the belt. I got up on time and I was in gym. Then everything else through that day becomes easier because you have that sense of achievement. Mm. And without, if you get up late, then you feel shit. Ah, oh, fuck, I slept too late again. Now you're hard on yourself. So you get it. the negative feedback loop from hell, as Mark Manson talks about it, is like, oh, fuck it, I got up late. Oh, fuck it, I'm upset because I got up late, and I'm upset that I'm upset because I got up late. So it just, it's a negative feedback loop yes. from hell. Yeah. The same thing, um, I think Jordan Peterson talks about it when you've got like social anxiety or something like that. Like you go to the shop and you're anxious because you're going to the shop. And then you get anxious because you're anxious. And then you think you're having a heart attack, and you then you get anxious because you think you because you think you're having a heart attack, and that you're anxious because you're anxious. So that jeepers creepers. So what a net of, net of troubles to run into. Yeah. So it's I don't know why we got here, but <laughs> yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think where we were at right now, and that we've kind of got a little bit off track, is like we just want to say real quick that this podcast is really, and we want to be clear about this, this is actually not a knife-making podcast, right? It's something we discuss for sure. And it's something that we enjoy and it's something Mm. that we do for a living. Mm. But the thing is, we are talking about anything and everything. Except politics. Except politics and we are... We try to have it in a respect... Whatever we talk about, we try to do it with respect. Yes. If that makes sense. Yes. So we do. Unless it's the flat earth theory. Yeah. Fuck that. Fuck that. This is why we care about that. Every now and then we will discuss religion, but it's. Mm. 
we try to remain respectful because everybody's entitled to their own belief system. Yeah. And we want to have the discussion because we want to gain greater understanding. And well, that's the thing. That comes down to the book that you still haven't started reading that Grant gave us on philosophy. Bro, I haven't been back to the flipping thing. Yeah. I have to go get it. I yeah. have to go get it. So the whole point of having these discussions is relates for me to the theory of philosophy. So the average person will say, well, what's the use of philosophy? It doesn't affect my life, which may be a valid argument. But then if you look at like, if it wasn't for scientists, we wouldn't have cars. If it wasn't for engineers, we wouldn't have buildings, things like that. But for the average person on the street, how the stress gradient in a specific part of a car what that means or anything is irrelevant. It's of no value to them. The same as philosophy is of no value to them. But it doesn't mean it's not important because they feel the effects of it, if that makes sense. Yeah. So one of the things that it says in that book that Grant gave us on, like introduction to philosophy, is that if you ask a mathematician what they've proven, they'll be able to give you a list as long as you're willing to listen. And if you ask a philosopher what they've proven, they will say nothing. Because whatever gets proven through philosophy becomes science. And all of the sciences have come from philosophy. Mathematics, chemistry, physics, psychology, social sciences, you name it, it all comes from philosophy. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Chemistry comes from alchemy, which came from philosophy. The, the, the early, or the, the theory of atoms comes from philosophy. In that, you, if you break stuff down to things that can't be broken down anymore, that was where, where atom comes from, it's indivisible. Shit. So that's why philosophy is important. That's why we have these long-form discussions, because... You know, without discussion, you can't get understanding. It's strange to think that that's actually what we're doing here, is, is mm. we're essentially having, in a way, we're becoming philosophers. Oh, we're philosophizing, as the book says. Well, that, that's the thing. And <laughs> it's, it's such a, a weird thing that men do. Yeah. It's such a, a weird thing yeah. that guys do. Like, they're, they're, I mean, don't mm. get me wrong, there's women yeah. who do this as well. Mm. But guys really like doing it. Yeah. Like, guys, like, there's a lot of guys who really like doing this, and there's a lot of guys who really don't. Mm. And you, if you're just one of those guys, it's like you you, you can't be mm. both. Yeah. Look, you can definitely be in the mood for it and mm. not the mood for it. Mm. But, like, when, when guys get into these conversations, mm. they really like it. Mm. They like to unpack all their shit that they think about that specific mm. subject and, like, put it against each other in a way that's sometimes a little competitive mm. and other times it's just like, oh, fuck you, fuck you, mm. you know, like, I'm going to have this that's argument. What I, that's you. what I, I like about having the discussion with Grant because Grant studied philosophy. <coughs> so... Yeah. The answer is not important. Yeah. So is the ship the same or not? The answer is irrelevant. Mm. The argument is what is important. Because we had the discussion on the last podcast about same ship, different day. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Theseus' ship. And 
it was a, it's, it's a very interesting way of discussing things. So it's a thought project. Mm. So a lot of philosophy, or most of philosophy, is all thought project. Yeah. Because, like, is there life after death? Well, we can't really say. Mm. You know, there's some believes that believe it, some don't. So, but it's a, it's a thought project. Mm. And, you know, if you can't have discussions, you can't have the thought. You can't develop it. Because yeah. you can't, if you can't argue a point, you can't, or with someone else, if you can't discuss a point, you cannot prove it to yourself. Which makes it invalid. Yeah, which makes it invalid. So if I've got a belief that the earth is flat, if I don't discuss it with someone who has an opposing opinion and we can't discuss the argument for or against, I can't prove it to myself. Yes, because you can't prove it to somebody else. Yeah. So if you don't have the understanding behind the belief or the logic and the reasoning behind debating your belief <laughs> with somebody of the opposing opinion mm. you can't prove it to yourself therefore it has no real value so and i think that's that's what important because <clears throat> beliefs my opinion is beliefs change over time mm. and that's the like dunning kruger effect almost is that dunning kruger effect yes i've heard so, of this so this is a, a psychological theory that when you just start out your circle of knowledge is small, so you think you know a lot because there's not much around your circle that thinks that you can say, it's okay, that's the stuff I don't know. But it's, it's relatively small if your circle of knowledge is small. But as your circle gets bigger, you get exposed to more things you don't know. Yes. So you get to a point, like when you first start out of something, you're like, cocksure, this is how it's done, whatever. And then the more you do it, the less you, you, or the more you believe that actually I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, which is, a, I think it's an age-old problem for men, is the imposter syndrome. Yeah. Where most of the time we don't actually know what we're doing. Yeah. Or we think we know what we're doing, but we, we're pretty sure we don't know, and we're always worried about someone's going to figure out that we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. So, like in knife-making, I think I know what I'm doing, but... I'm not now that I'm further down the path. I'm not confident in saying that this is the way to do it because there's so much I don't know. Well, this 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 is the thing with with like people who make things with their hands, who who create things. Anybody who creates is reflecting in many ways what they are about themselves mm. like if you craft a knife and you do a shitty job mm. and you think this is fucking fantastic you mm. you think this is worth selling for like a lot of money it's prachtig fricky and there's fucking 40 grit scratches on the blade mm. still in the opposite direction mm. and it's rough as fuck it's not even got a proper mm. edge on it. it's fucking mild steel for mm. you know like that doesn't say very anything good about you. It mm. says fuck all good about you. Mm. But if you can see the guy's tried his fucking mm. level best, it's not quite perfect, mm. but it's getting there. 
even if there's some big issues here and there, mm. you can see the guys trying. Mm. As soon as you get to a point where you're putting out consistent blades mm. that are really good, even if they're simple in their design, but they are clean, they are pristine, they are polished, they are beautifully shaped, their proportions are right, mm. the edges are beautiful, the, 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 the lines on it are just sexy. Like, then you really look at this blade and you're like, holy fuck. But this work, like mm. as soon as you look at a knife maker mm. who like really has your style just down, you look at it and you're like, I fucking like you. Mm. I fucking like your style, bro. Mm. Like there's there's something that that just tells you something about a person. Mm. Like when I look at Henny Duplessis knives, Henny Duplessis. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Dude, do you mm. not know the oak? No, probably it doesn't <clears throat> ring a bell. He was directly in front of us at uh, Brooklyn. Uh, it wasn't this morning, bro. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> that guy, mm. when I see his knives, I'm like, oh, my God. Mm. Oh, my God. Beautiful knives. Mm. And he's such a humble dude. Mm. I really like the dude. I mm. think he's he's just really humble. Mm. But the thing is but that... But he knows what he's fucking doing. But that comes from... Like he's the not insecure with, or or overconfident or like he's just a really nice dude, but and the, he knows what he's doing. My point is that, or from my point of view, is if I make a knife, I know the full flaws in it. Yeah, because you've made it, you know exactly where it's it's the case to the best of your ability. Mm. Um, and I think that's what guys that are newer knife makers, what they need to do is they need to sit down and they need to critically look at their work and find all the faults. Because if you can find faults in your own work, you can know where to start improving. Yes. Um, if I pick up a Henning Wilkinson knife, to me it's like the best thing since fucking sliced bread. Mm. But to him, he'll know where there's small flaws. Look, mm. this, the flaws will be infinitely smaller than what a new knife maker is. But every knife has its small little no, – no, no knife is perfect. Mm. And I think what I battle with sometimes is that, like, is it good enough? Yeah. Because, you know, at some point you have to draw the line and say, okay, this is as good as I can get it now. Yes. But I know I need to work on – Say my handle shape. It's not perfect. So that's where I can start focusing on next. Mm. Okay, my grinding is good now. I'm getting a consistent plunge line. It's in the center. Now that's just about maintenance. Mm. Now I need to start focusing on the next aspect that I can improve to take my knife to the next level. Mm -hmm. But let's get off knives. Knives are boring. <laughs> well, well I'm, I'm just saying that it's, it's a very interesting thing to like – to create things. And mm. a lot of people who create things are very invested in the things that they're creating. Mm. And it's, because of that, it makes them, it makes a lot of them do the best they can possibly fucking do mm. to make it the best they, they can. Mm. And, and those people are really what separates their being just somebody fucking around 
or having a craftsmanship behind that skill? Mm. Well, it's like what, what Grant said. Um, when he used to work in the corporate industry, he'd come home and he'd never talk about it because it wasn't his passion. He used to hate it. Uh. But when he started knife making, now his wife hates it because when you get home, you have to listen to about everything that happened in the day making the knife because it's something that, like, it just burns inside you. Yeah. That, that, I mean, I look at some of the sculpture work that guy does. It's like, where the fuck did you come up with this? Because it's, like, stunning. It's like, mm. how do you get that picture in your head onto the, onto the canvas? Crazy. Whether it be steel or artwork or a knife or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's what, that's why Grant fascinates me a lot. Mm. He is fascinating. Yeah. Super fascinating. And it's also the nice thing about Grant is you can't just say something. You have to – there has to be a point to it. Yeah. Yeah. I learned that real quick. Yeah. So, why? <laughs> but why is it important? <laughs> uh, fuck off, Grant. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. I love the dude. Yeah. So are we going to get back into everything's fucked or are we just going to – Man, you, you know, I think so. I think I think we can. Yeah. So we the last time we recorded when was that? It was like three weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, it was about three weeks ago. Yeah, because well, probably a little over. Yeah, because yeah, you know, COVID and all that sort of the COVID apocalypse. COVID apocalypse. Yeah, it's kind of fucked everything around. But um, where was I going? You were talking about. Um, we're getting into we're going to go into the the little bit of Mark Manson's book about everything's fucked right so the book is supposed to be about hope but I don't know much about it so tell me what you've you've read at least part of the book I've, I've, I've I'm still reading it so uh there there's a few things that I'm uh, obviously, I haven't gone all the way through it, so there's only a few things I can talk about. I think I'm up to chapter five. Mm. I may be further than I realized, but like, the last time I remember, it was chapter five. Um, and what I've sort of really noticed from starting the book until this point is that it it really sort of, it, f- first of all, makes you think, a lot. It really makes you think, especially if you're trying to understand the book, which mm. is really what you want to do if you want to read it. Mm. You want to try and understand it. And it's, it, it's relatively simple, the way it's been put over, but it's still complex enough to contemplate. Like You really have to think when you're reading all this stuff. Well, and, I can just um, cut in there because I, I watched uh, Mark Manson published a video where he breaks down the book, like just yeah. a brief summary, how I built it up, and <clears throat> what he said is that the subtle art of not giving a fuck was a much easier book to read. But he said the everything's fucked book is a lot more difficult to read because it requires a lot more intense thought, and you sort of reevaluate where you are in life. Yeah, and I think that's what you've been doing. Well, this is the thing. This is why I also slowed down at the speed I was reading it because I was clapping it at one point 
and not really taking it in, yeah. trying to understand what was actually being said. And so I slowed it down a lot, and I and I I would read like two three pages, depending on the complexity of the ideas being spoken about, and like then like just think about it, and like go over sections that I wasn't sure of. Like I'd underline them, mm. read to a point, come back to them, mm. read them again, think about it, like make fucking notes about what my thought process is behind this or do I even have one, mm. you know? And like really just try and do a little bit of homework into the the reasoning mm. and the thought processes. And it also drives you to learn about other things that you wouldn't otherwise have learned about. Mm. I mean, I've heard about... Uh, the the guy who is it Polinski, the guy in Poland who was in uh, Warsaw in um, in Poland. Is that the character from the first from the first chapter? Yes, he is the only guy who ever volunteered to go into a yes concentration, a concentration camp. One camp. of the few that is Polinski or Polinski or Polinski, I think. Yeah, and he has, he managed to escape as well. Yes, yes. Well, it was always it was it was it was fascinating what he did there because obviously volunteered to go into this um, um, concentration camp in um, in Auschwitz. Mm. There was a concentration camp being built in Auschwitz. And uh, he started an underground movement, went through there to uh, – he, he said to his men, this is the only way we're going to do it, and they thought he was insane. And eventually they ran out of options, and this is what he had to do. And uh, he got there, and he was just, like, having to build – radios out of old parts that he had found put them together and built a radio okay so he could communicate with his uh with his men in warsaw okay and uh this his guy was name a, was willot pelinki pelinki yeah pelinki that's it he pelinki he was a polish cavalry officer intelligence agent yes. and resistance leader yes Yes. So that's who he was. Yes. We thank you, Wikipedia. There we go. So, Thanks, so, like, I still have to learn more about him and exactly how to remember his name and whatnot. Mm. Peliki. Pelinki. 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 Uh, we will get yeah. to that. But anyway, that's the thing with reading a book of the like Mark Manson writes or those types of books is you can't just read the book. You've got to almost like study the book. Yes. And then find out who the people are that it's talking about. Because then you can go back and then read it with a fresher, a more understanding. That's why we yes. have the podcast, so we yes. can discuss things and yes. go into detail. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. It, 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 it's about like it's about discussing things that you can prove or or mm. not even prove. But it's like but are interested in and mm. and fundamental ideas. And, and opinions mm. and what we're willing to suffer for. And what we're willing to suffer for. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> okay, so that was the first part. Where are you now? Where am I now? Mm. 
In terms of what? I don't know. Where are you psychologically at this point in your life? It's uh, it's difficult at the moment because there's a lot of things that I'm trying to figure out mm. and trying to understand is this where I really want to be mm. or is this really what I want to do? And if I'm honest, I feel very unsure of myself right now. Mm. I guess that's how I feel. I don't really feel very confident about doing anything right mm. now. Uh, I'm unsure. I need. I know I need to make a decision and get after it, mm. but I'm finding that difficult. Like that's that's kind of where I'm at. Don't worry. When you get to my age, you'll still feel that way. I'm kidding. But it, it, I think you know I've been through lots of, or I battle. Well, I fight with depression every day. So, you know, self-evaluation and trying to figure out, you know, what are what are the important things because there's just too much noise, if that makes sense. There's too many things to give a fuck about that, you know, you lose, you lose yourself almost mm. in all these little fucking irrelevant things that you don't are beyond your control mm. almost. Mm. So a lot of times my wife has to sit me down and say, you need to come back. You need to release the things you can't control and focus on what you can control. Because you can the things that you can control are things that you can change. Right. Um, and the things you can't control, you can't really change. You just have to figure out how to work within that environment almost. Yeah. So, yeah, for me that's difficult because I like to control things. I like everything organized. Like if I if I go to a specific place, I'll drive a specific route because that's the way it makes sense in my brain. You know what it almost feels like for me? Is that I want things to be better. Mm. But there's always been a point at which I'm willing to suffer for something. Mm. And then as soon as I hit any difficulty that makes it just that little bit harder, mm. I feel like the rewards for doing that thing are not as good as the suffering for doing it. Yeah, so it's And so I get to a point where I'm doing really good at this mm. and I'm being sort of disciplined in it mm. and then it's like okay fuck you this life is giving me this shit now and then either I let's say I'm gymming for example mm. then I'll stop gymming mm. and then I'll just not do it again for a long time mm. and never really get into a, a, a life of consistency where I'm disciplining myself to get to a really high point of experiencing real benefits mm. from doing this thing over and over and over and getting well, better at it. The same as my running. I mean, I haven't run since April. Um, and you were doing really, really well. I was doing really well. And then it's like, I don't know exactly what happened, but it's like the suffering wasn't worth the reward almost. Mm. Uh, you know, it's this whole last 
two years has been like a shit show. Mm. I mean, it started for me before COVID mm. um, with trauma and shit like that. That me and my wife, we still haven't dealt with everything we've been through in the last two years. Mm. There's just too much fucking shit going on. Mm. Um, so, yeah, the running was helping and then I stopped running and I actually need to get back into it. Now that it's, we are coming out of our winter. Yeah. It's only a couple winter of... Winter fucks things around a bit, doesn't it? I find. Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, the, the Nordic countries, up Sweden, Norway, Switzerland, yeah. that... Where they have a lot of darkness in winter, they have a lot of suicide problems. That's true. Because I think the mental aspect of being out in the sun does something for you that science can't really explain properly. I don't know. Well, it also gives you vitamin D. Yeah, but I, I think there's, there's... Warm bodies have a tendency to last longer. Yeah. Actually, that is not true. That is mm. fucking bullshit. I don't mm. think that's true. What? I was going to say uh, warm bodies have a tendency to last longer. But, I mean, yes, you want to be warm enough to survive, of mm. course. You don't want to drop below your core body temperature. Mm. You'll fucking die of hypothermia. That's mm. a fact. So but I'm saying, go over. <laughs> I'm saying there's, there's been uh, studies proving, like, real health benefits mm. for people who do ice baths. Mm. To drop your core body temperature, like, I think it's five, like, to five degrees or something like that. Well, like, that... really, really low. And, like, I've done it once in winter before mm. in an ice bath. Mm. Dude, I was shivering to a point where I could not talk, bro. That's, I think it's really hot the ice man. Yes. He only takes cold showers. Yes. And it's, and it's, and it's cuck. Difficult, bro. I remember. But the, these things mm. of this, this is what's so interesting about it is like yes, there, there's there's health benefits in, in in doing all these things like saunas and ice baths and even hot baths and with exercising and, and, and exercising and but they're all physical things that attack you in a way and you have to deal with it. Like, they're not easy things. Yeah. It's not easy to work out. It's not easy to eat right. It's not easy to do uh, exceptional work at, at being a knife maker. It's not easy to do anything unless you are willing to suffer to the point where you have to go through some sort of physical frustration or mental pain or mental suffering to do this thing. And if you're able to do that and you're able to do that more, you become better and better at many more things because now you're understanding a different type of mental discipline. That you apply to everything in your life and you get incrementally better at everything, ideally. The thing is as well, it, what makes it different, difficult is that if your, if your values are not, say to say, good values, then the suffering becomes meaningless. So say, oh, I want to run a marathon. But then, the what is my value 
What is my core value of why I want to do that? And that's what I haven't been able to figure out. Is the figuring out what are the values that drive my thought process. Because your thought process is driven not by rationale, it's driven by emotion. And it's like the the what's the car called that Mark Manson? The consciousness car. Yeah, consciousness car. Yeah. So everybody thinks that when you in the consciousness car that the thinking brain is driving. Mm. But it's not. It's actually the emotional brain driving. Yeah. And the thinking brain is trying to pro provide rationale or reason or logic to why certain things are happening. Here's the interesting point about all of this. Something that I realized while he was saying this, and I'm not... I, I, I don't know. This is just an interesting way of, of looking at it. If you want to look at yourself as a person, we often think to ourselves, okay, well, I'm a good person. I don't steal. I don't mm. hurt people. Mm. I don't. Uh, I don't do anything like fundamentally bad. Mm. Okay, and that may be true, and that could be classified as a good person. Mm. But are you? Are you an exemplary person? Mm. Are you the idea of a good person, like genuinely, like the person that everybody would look up to? Mm. Who would want to be that kind of person? That that the is citizen, or the model citizen, if we wanted to. Call and 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 that's entirely up to you. Mm. Some people don't really give a fuck enough mm. to give a shit what other people think about them, and, and I'm not saying you should. Mm. I'm just saying, are you trying to be the best version of your true and natural self? And for some people, that's not really giving too much of a fuck about other people. Mm. And that's fine. But it's here's fine. the point. Mm. Is like, let's say you want to, like, there's, there's actually a philosopher I wanted to actually discuss with you. His na name was Miyamoto Musashi. Oh, the, the, he was a samurai. He, he was also a ronin. Yeah. Okay. So, now... He wrote about after like fighting sixty duels. Mm. He he killed the the sixtieth guy and then he was like, I'm over this. I'm not doing duels anymore. Yeah. And he was writing about like the what I can't remember what his what his book was called, but there were like ten or something rules of I'm not sure if it was 10 or like 100 or whatever it was, but there was this book, and I still want to read the book, about all these things that he had written down and basically the philosophical thought behind how to be a better uh, Ronin mm. or how to live this lifestyle. Mm. And it was things like do not pursue pleasure. Yeah. Because if you pursue pleasure you will be basing your decisions on the reward of doing that thing and, and just getting it all the time if you it's, want it all the time. It, and, and look, I can't really explain these thoughts very, very well because I'm still trying to understand them. Okay, so I'll explain it a little bit differently. So if you, if you value pleasure, yeah. so it's a value, yes. and you pursue it, yes. 
Now you've got a grow watch. Now, you, now you're just going to go for the next one and the next one, and you, yes. you live past the moment. Yes, 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 yes. So it doesn't become a reward anymore. It's not it's a reward. It's not a pleasure. It's, it's like if, if, you, if your value is I want to be fucking rich, yeah. okay? Okay, now you've got the money. Now what? Now you've got nothing left to, do, to work for. Yeah. Now you're fucking miserable. Yeah. And I think so that's why guys like Elon Musk exist. Elon mm. Musk. Mm. Not must mm. <laughs> exist because they like they get to a point where they're super rich because they're super good at what they, what they're doing and business and whatnot. Mm. But they're also like fixing real problems. Yeah, and they they're deciding to help humanity. Mm. So his his it's, it's Elon Musk's pursuit is not money. Mm-mm. It's like he wrote down five problems that he could solve in his lifetime, and he started with the easiest one first. Yeah, because the whole the way the world works is I need to provide value to a customer and fix a problem for them in order for them to remo- to give me something back in form. It could be money, it could be food, it could be whatever. But if I can't solve your problem, I can't expect you to give me money yes. or food. Yes. So in the old, like, in a tribal system, you had your hunters, you had your gatherers, you had your people who did that. So they specialized in solving other people's problems. Yes. So I may have a dodgy fucking knee, so I can't hunt. All right? But I'm really good at making a bow and arrow. Yeah. Trenton's a good hunter. He needs a, he can't make a bow and arrow. Mm. <clears throat> but I'm good at it. So I give him a bow and arrow, and he'll go and hunt for the tribe and bring food in. Mm. So by providing value to someone, it's forms a system of uh, like a reward system almost Mm, mm, mm. now if you if you're driven purely by money you're not going to get anywhere because you're not solving problems you just want money right Um, money is the benefit of solving problems Mm. almost to a certain extent and then if you want to go deeper to the values is like it's important me to for, to solve this problem because for the community it's going to make it so much better. Mm. Yeah, I mean that 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 that's an interesting thought. I mean the Bible even supports that sort of thought line in a way if you think about it, because uh, the whole thought process behind why why uh, Solomon was the wisest man on earth is because he asked for wisdom from God instead of riches. Mm. And God gave him both as a result, Mm. but kind of signifying in a way that it, like if you are really wise, Mm. money would follow you most certainly. Mm. And he was exceptionally wealthy, Mm. like more so than, than um, the, well, the, the, what the Bible describes in terms of wealth would indicate that he was, I think, a billionaire. He didn't have wants. He, 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 and he said at one point that, like, striving after, like, things is like striving after the wind. You can mm. never have enough. You've, you've always got... Mm. Because imagine if that's what you're striving for, to get things, 
and you've got infinite amounts of money, what do you get eventually? Mm. There's nothing out of your reach. Mm. You don't have enough time to enjoy it all. Well, it's, it's could, like Jordan you know, Peterson says. It says, uh, I'm trying to get this right now. But the gist of it is, pursue something that is meaningful rather than something which is purely rewarding. So that that can be like, sex is great, but it's it. If you just pursue sex, it's just it becomes meaningless. Mm. So rather pursue something which is meaningful, which is maybe. A monogamous, monogamous relationship where mm. you can build a connection with someone, which is going to last your lifetime. Mm. That provides meaning. Mm. I, w- I would say people who own. Look, I mean, I'm, I'm not casting judgment on anybody, mm. but I think it is most certainly a good way to to live life. In in terms of having a solid relationship, if that's what you decide to do and, and and have a wife and things like that, it is most often detrimental to relationships to to have that kind of connection with somebody outside of that relationship. Uh, Generally ends relationships. It's actually one of Jordan Peterson's ru- rules. Yeah. <laughs> Pursue what is meaningful, not what is expedient. Mm. So the false buck it's it's not going to provide meaning Mm. Um, and an interesting thing I heard him say is that if you look because he's a psychologist so he's obviously had lots of clinical patients now if you look over a time scale and you say your life is meaningless the problem is not it's meaningless the problem is your time scale is wrong Mm. so If I look over my whole life, it seems meaningless, but there's those little moments. If you look at just that moment, that's where the meaning is. Mm. So if you look at the average human life, which is, say, 70 years old, if you look at that in the time scale of the universe, which is 13 or 14 billion years, mm. it's insignificant and meaningless. Mm. The problem is not your life is meaningless, the problem is that your time scale is wrong. Yes. That makes sense. That makes sense. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's interesting to discuss all these points, but it's Mm. like very, it's very difficult to, I would say for me to, uh, there's things I have opinions on, but I, mm. I can't really say a lot about some subjects. Mm. And it's good to realize that sometimes. Obviously, mm. you want to get more informed and things like that. But there's some things that you just don't really have enough thought out about that to have a real honest opinion mm. that is worth anything. Because some people will just blindly tell you what they think without having ever thought about why they would think about it that mm. way. And and, and that's, that's, that's an error. Mm. To believe something just that way be, because that's all you've ever been exposed to is mm. silly. It's really silly. If you yeah. can't prove two and two equals four, how mm. the fuck are you going to prove it to somebody else? 
you have to have thought about it enough to believe the way you believe or think the way you think. Well, but you also can't get offended because mm. somebody proves you wrong mm. or proves that there's another way of looking at it. Well, one of the things in, in Jordan Peterson's book, The 12 Rules to Life, The Anecdote to Chaos, mm. um, is tell the truth or at least don't lie. Mm. And the story behind it, where he came to that sort of rule is when he, in his younger days, he used to love getting into arguments and discussions and he will just take a point of view, not that he believes it, just because he wants to have the argument. And he realized that he was becoming an arsehole because he would just be looking for fights or arguments. Mm. Um, and then he decided, you know, that that was actually not giving any meaning to his life. It was becoming a bad part of him. Mm. So then he decided, I'm only going to say that which is true or I at least won't lie. So if I want to talk about bottling water, right, because there's a water bottle in front of me, I can go into my whole theory on how they do it or whatever, but in the, in the truth of the matter, I don't fucking know what they're doing. So, I shouldn't really speak about it. Mm-hmm. As if I know something about it. About what? About the bottling the water. How they do it in real life. Yeah, so it's like, you shouldn't really speak about things that you don't know about. Which makes fucking sense. Yeah. Because if because, I tell you, mm. oh, you're... Uh, Oh, it's actually a classic example, but I'm not going to... Mm. I've, I've just thought of a classic example, but it involves me, so I'm not going to talk about it. Okay. Because that would mean I'm wrong, and I yeah. don't want to discuss <laughs> being wrong. <laughs> I, was, I was discussing somebody something with uh, Kamika. Okay. And she wanted to put her bed, her bed on pallets. And I was saying to her, listen, you need to be careful of pallets because there's certain pesticides that... You are used on pallets that it's, are very, very dangerous. It's not just that. You get different pallets. Yes. So some, so, are, some are treated, yes. some are not treated. Yes. And either one can be bad. Yes. Because Spillage if it's treated and stuff like that, then you have the chemical problem. Yes. If it's untreated, yes. you have the problem of the parasites that could infest the rest of your house. Yes. Yes, so. that that's that's the thing, and mm. there's also like heat treated pallets. So what mm. they'll do is they'll keep it at 60, 60 degrees mm. uh, Celsius for like, I think it's like, I don't know, a certain period of time, and that sort of does something. Yeah. But if they really want it bulletproof, there's 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 this certain uh, gas or something that they use that interferes with the ozone or they used to use mm. and it's called methylene but it's it's methylene biome or something like that mm. or I, I can't remember exactly what it is is it not DDT no no well I mean I, I, that may be one of them mm. I'm not sure but it was some nasty shit anyway this stuff has been proven to like be unhealthy for people and, mm. and pets and all that sort of thing. And uh, 
So there's some places stopped using it. Canada mm. stopped using it. Mm. USA, I think, stopped using it. Um, and places like, I don't know, Germany, maybe. I'm mm. not sure. But I think... I think... I'm, I don't want to misquote anything, mm. but I think they said that China was still using it in some places. I'm not sure if that's the case anymore, but this is what I was reading. Well, this and this stuff is very dangerous. And and I had spoken to Kamika about this before I actually started reading up more about it, mm. which is really the wrong way to go about mm. it. You want to have all the facts first before you really argue something. Not necessarily. You want to have some of the facts, but mm. if you can't, you need to have the discussion to figure out, hey, I don't know enough, I need to research more. Right. Sometimes you need to, yeah. So I was, I, I knew it was sort of dangerous, mm. but I also knew it was somewhat circumstantially dangerous. Mm. Um, and and I wouldn't know enough to actually say if it's always dangerous and if it's not always dangerous. So I don't know either side of the fence. I know that it can be dangerous. That's what I know. Well, one and, of the things with life is that everything we know now is wrong. Hmm. Because... We, we know what we know and yeah, but, as I mean, we develop yeah so like when DDT came out which is a pesticide they used to control mosquitoes and things they thought oh this is fucking fantastic shit mm. and then 10 years down the line and 20 years down the line and they figured out this stuff is not fucking good for people yeah and it's it's been proven over and over and over again mm. that we will develop something to solve a problem and we might solve the short-term problem, but we don't. We d we will never know until later on the the knock-on effect of it. Mm. So we solve a problem by doing something, and then we create other problems, mm -hmm. um, which is how we develop. I mean, you're not going to know until you try something. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's one of the. I don't know. Well, it's the way it's, it's it's the way to progress. Mm. If you, if you think about everything, mm. everything that is part of our life, mm. somebody figured out one day, I need something to do this job, mm. and it needs to fucking be made, and I need to fucking make it because there's nobody making that fucking thing that I need. Mm. This fucking life here. How mm. the fuck do you think knives evolved to get to this point? Mm. Well, somebody figured out that a piece of stone could be sharp. He figured mm. out that he needed a sharp edge to make other shit. Mm. And then he figured out that he could shape that stone to make it more efficient for hunting, hooks, uh, mm. fucking all sorts of different and things. And then they Blades. discovered uh, different materials like copper and bronze and steel. Even before that, bone. Mm. They were using bone probably before, before stone yeah. or during the same time period. Mm period for sure that we're doing that but so so then it goes into all the mm. you know the copper and the the well the bronze the, there was a story i heard about that in australia you know yeah. pre-civilization they they found shells like seashells up like miles away from the sea mm. yeah and then through anthropological study, they found out that there was different Aboriginal tribes. Now, there's one that lived at the sea, and there was one that lived up, say, on the mountain. But the one on the mountain were very good at making axes, because they had the stone, they had the environment. Now, the ones at the coast figured out that 
that tool that they've got is really cool. How can I get it? So then they would trade the, the shellfish because they could transport it over distance without getting fraught. They could trade the shellfish for the axe. Oh, sure. No, so that's, you know, how civilization sort of evolved almost, the barter system to yeah. currency and maybe cryptocurrency will take over. Who the fuck knows? Who the fuck knows? But anything we, anything we think we know now is probably going to change in 10, 15 well, years. The thing is, somebody comes up with something to improve mm. life. To solve someone's problem. To solve someone's problem. So the, the, the fucker who figured out he could use a piece of stone mm. for a cutting tool, mm. the first fucker to figure that out mm. has essentially faced the invention of this or a conglomeration of invention mm. of this very tool that we're holding right here. The mm. evolutionary process of smoking even mm. is crazy. Mm. Different cultures have done it different ways over mm. many, many years. Or and you start going down to the psychedelic path. <laughs> or when you go down the psychedelic path, it's pretty crazy. Mm. So the point is there's, there's many things to be discussed. Mm. And um, I mm. think it just makes you a broader person and, a, and mm. a, a more realized person as to what you know and what you don't know. Mm. Because sometimes you go into things – that you really think you've thought through mm. and you realize you really haven't. Mm. And you realize you're being an asshole because that's just your preference and you can't back it up. Well, if we can now put it back to everything's fucked, mm. your values are a function of your experience. Yeah. So the only way to change your values is to have different experiences which can change those values. And if you look at it, if, if you look at yourself, and I look at myself, I'm the sum of all my experience. Everything I've gone through in my life. Yeah. So that what makes me different to you is besides age, and I'm much fucking handsome. <laughs> <laughs> is is like the sum of experience. Yeah. Which we can relate back to Jesus' ship mm. and like the philosophical discussion that there is no such thing as constant. Mm. Everything is in change mm. and it's to, to define from a, a human thought process or whatever is like, okay, everything's changing, but... in order to maintain sort of sanity, I suppose, certain things have to, we have to regard as being like the same, although it's different. Okay. So you can never step into the same river twice. Right. Because both the river and you are different. Mm. Yeah, look, there's there's obviously people who will debate the point, but mm. the thing is the philosophical thought has its reasoning yeah. and and your opinion is just your opinion mm. because it doesn't mean that the that that the point can't be argued mm. it just means that you have an opinion and it doesn't mean to say that it's right well in in all eventuality unless it's a science 
Mm. There is no right or wrong answer. Yes. So it's just you're you're either on one side of the fence or not. Not necessarily. It's just of that argument. Though. Yeah, of that argument. Yeah, of that argument. So your belief system is based on your experience. Mm. And I can't argue against because I haven't been through that experience. Yes, you I don't, don't know. You don't have the facts. Yeah, and it's not a science. So that's why religion, that's why religion's a tough one for some people. Is because their their God value, or in a way, their value is give me proof, and that's worth and valid yeah. reasoning. Well, other people will say, well, I, you know, I'm going to believe in this because I'm going to have faith in it. Yeah. And and some people just don't want to have faith. They want to have proof. Mm. And other things just seem more reasonable to them, and and that that's that's why there's different God values and there's different belief systems. Well, if we go if we go to like um, Albert Camus, the the French philosopher, mm. um, and he was in the early existentialists. Mm. So, if you look at the world truly as it is, it's irrational. We don't know what the weather's going to come tomorrow. We can't control it. You um, can predict it, though. Yeah, with, with the science, we can sort of predict it. The like, weather. Yeah, we can predict what's going to happen tomorrow based on, on things. Mm. But we have no control. If the prediction says it's going to rain tomorrow, we can't go out and say, hey, listen, you fuck off clouds. It's not, you're not going to yeah, rain yeah. today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's beyond. Yeah. So everything is like you being born to your parents. Mm is like a one in a couple of billion odds. Yeah. So it's really completely random. I mean, the, the, the sperm cell that made you won the race is completely random. It's sort of absurd in a way. It should make you feel a little special. It should make you feel a little special, but it's, it's like... That's, I mean, especially if it was a good load. Yeah. You'll never really know, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. You'll never know if your dad really jacked out on that one. Yeah, but right. now the, 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 the world being absurd means that there's actually almost no meaning to it. Hmm. But that's where the beauty in it lies, is that the only way you can find meaning or, or achieve meaning is through experience. Mm -hmm. So whether or not I decide tomorrow I've had enough. The only way to get past that is to decide, well, whether or not I'm going to live tomorrow is irrelevant. Um, but if I so choose, I can say, right, life at the moment sucks, it's hard, fucking whatever. I'm going to enjoy the suffering because it's going to provide meaning later on. <laughs> it's a, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. It just sounds odd. 
Mm. It sounds well. It's strange. It's dark. Yeah. Because it's it, it's really a dark way of, of looking at it. Now, according to Camus, um, religion is a form of philosophical suicide because you're no longer questioning. You're basically just going on blind faith. And it's not to say it's good or bad. Uh, the decision you make, whether you want to be religious or not, mm. it doesn't say it's good or bad. Mm. It's the same as he says, political ideo- ideo- ideologies is a form of philosophical suicide because you're no longer questioning. Um, I, I, I think that ultimately... At least one of the reasons why you have things like religion and people who believe in evolution, people who believe in all sorts of different ideas that that can't really be proven. And when I say evolution, I, I am putting that in there because there are some people who don't agree with it. And, and, and I mean... It's not really, in my opinion, something that we can really prove. Look, in certain ways, yes. Yeah. In certain like things like dogs evolving to different mm. species and things like yeah. that, I, I can understand. It that. can explain part of it, but it can't explain all of it. It can't explain all of it. So there's pieces missing, and those pieces are are enough for some people to say that that's not you can't prove it, mm. and other people, those pieces are just like, oh well, we don't know how it happened, but we don't know yet. Mm. Okay. Well, and, my theory, and, and this is the whole thing, is that everything can be discussed if it can't be be proven. Yeah. And my opinion, specifically on religion, is you can believe what you want mm. as long as it doesn't make you an arsehole. Mm. So, to me, religion is good. If the outcomes from it make you a better person. Well, think about this for a second. Think about if we... If we had a world without religion, let's say, for example. Mm -hmm. And let's say either, either the... That that religion was just never a thing, mm. never happened, which I'm sure mm. there's some planets out there in the universe that it didn't happen. <laughs> they decided this was a bad decision. Yeah. Lots of deaths are going to happen in the name of this, right? <laughs> and say we're one of those planets that did. We, we, mm. we took that on. And now we will either only achieve a certain level of sort of mm. consciousness and awareness Mm. Because of that, because we're always fighting about fucking different beliefs and whatnot, mm. and maybe that's one side of one argument. So I'm not saying that is the argument for yeah. it. I could, maybe this could be mm. the better way, and and it is the better way in some aspects. Mm. It is the better way in terms of being a more virtuous person, mm. a better person, somebody that doesn't mm. want to be a hypocrite, somebody who doesn't want to lie and murder and cheat and steal. And, and, well, and there's, there's definitely good attributes about being a religious person, um, 
in some form or another, whatever mm. religion that is, there's mm. generally some good behind it mm. uh, in being a more virtuous person. Mm. Um, but ultimately, it's all got its faults. Mm. And some of those faults have also been historically proven to be detrimental to innocent lives. Mm. And and whatever you think about religion, you can't ignore that fact. Well, the problem with it, the religion isn't the problem. The people are the problem. So like any belief system yeah. can be corrupted by the people who control it. Yes. And like the the... Let's talk about what I know. Say the Crusades. Mm. Were they a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, we can't really say. Generally, there's a shitload of people who die because of it. Mm. And it was because the people in control of the belief system corrupted it. Mm. So the belief system is not wrong or, or not bad. But the people who controlled it caused the bad. So, like the guards in Auschwitz, you know, mm. if you met that person outside of the period of the concentration camps, they were probably a good person. Mm. But their belief system got corrupted by the people in power. Mm. And you can't say with absolute fact that you wouldn't have been a guard in Auschwitz and you wouldn't have done the things that some of those people did. That's true. That's true. So, yeah. That's very true. And uh, unless people come to that realization that, you know, anybody is capable of doing anything really, really bad. Mm. And I think we need to recognize that in ourselves and say, okay, and you need to questions like, uh, maybe this path I'm going down is the fucking wrong path, eh? Mm. But the problems are that the changes are so little, mm. little by little by little mm. by little. Mm. Yeah, no, it's it's true. It's um, it's something to think about, and it's it, you often hold yourself in a certain esteem because you think you're better than other people mm. because you think. Well, I wouldn't do that. Mm. Well, you don't fucking know, do you? Well, uh, uh, there's, there's certain things that we don't do because we're not in that situation. If you look at and and we and we try not putting ourselves in that situation. But we, if you grew up in a different household with mm, different values, bad parents, you could be that person. It's not to say even if you had good parents, you could. You, you could easily go either way. I'm just yeah. saying, like. You know, that's those are the arguments that people generally say. Well, it's like, yeah, if you had bad parenting, that that is a factor. It's a factor, but it's, but it's not the ultimate truth. It's not the only way you can get into it. The, it it can be a factor, but are you using it as an excuse and a crutch? Yes. Yeah, because it's also not to say because you had bad parenting that you're going to be a bad person. That's, because that's also not the case. If you look at. Uh, like abusive people mm. 
the majority of people who are abusive come from an abusive relationship, be it with their parents or whatever. Mm. But it's not to say that all people who went through that will be abusive. Yes. Because yes. It, it's choices you make. Yeah. My mom was abused by her mom. Mm. She never abused us, though. Mm. So that that's a classic example. And that's mm. what I always say to her. Because mm. she sometimes says to me, you know, sometimes I don't feel like a good mom. I said, Mom, mm. the fact that you didn't do what your mom did to you mm. is, is, yes, you've got your flaws, but so do I. Mm. You know? and and But you weren't abusive. That's mm. the point. Well, what's it... Uh, the psychologist Carl Jung he talks a lot about the shadow mm. so sometimes you know the saying that like the, the true you comes out when you drink yeah right that's more to say what he talks about the shadow so is your because we all wear masks mm. not just because of COVID <laughs> we're all putting on masks every day yeah um, but the shadow behind the mask is that is that the, is that a nice person yeah the guy who the guy who you are when nobody's there to see and the, I think the problem with with people and I think that's we're always trying to find meaning in something mm. so like if it rains and you've got your washing out, it's like, oh, woe is me, or is it just, okay, it's a flipping beyond our control type thing. Yeah. I wanted to go somewhere with it. And then the squirrels came. You were trying to say, like, things that... Oh, we're always looking for meaning, yeah. right? So, a tree... A tree is just a tree. It only knows how, for, from what we understand and what we know, a tree only knows how to be a tree. If you look at a dog, a dog only really knows how to be a dog. And how you raise the dog determines sort of a certain extent of how it behaves. Um, we as humans, because I think we have the, the curse of consciousness or thinking, we're always trying to search for that meaning. Mm. I agree. Because what is the point? I mean, our, all our problems of trying to survive and get food and shelter and things, those are all being sort of solved. Yeah. So what meaning is there? Well, once again, it's mm. the... I don't know. Tell me. What is it? The paradigm of progress. The paradox of progress, uh, yeah. paradox of progress, yeah. And I think the more we, if you look at like the mental health statistics, the more we've progressed, the more mental health problems we've had. Yes. Because if you say you got an office job, which you, you perceive as meaningless, because you like being less of meaning. Yeah. All you're doing is collecting data and putting it on a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. To you, you don't see the meaning of it. Yeah. But it's only one small cog in a very big machine. Mm. Um, and I think also from a evolutionary point of view, you know, in the old days, there, 
there was more of a community and you know you, f- you felt valued because you provided something for the community mm. and now we've progressed so much that we can't see that bigger picture of where we are providing that value mm. it's true uh, and because change is constant mm. things the way we interact with people around us change as well mm. Because we're not interacting with people who have got less problems. We, in some ways, yes, but in other ways, can be far worse problems because of the times that we're living in. It's there's, not- there's, 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 there's benefits to the technology that we have, but there's also negatives. Let's just take, for example, Somebody is a very nice person, but when they're very tired, they get very moody mm. and things like that. And because they've been watching so much Netflix, also mm. working so hard to maintain their lifestyle of all mm. these different things that they do, they have to work harder and harder to maintain that lifestyle because they're not super rich, but they're pretty okay. Mm. But they're just pursuing, they're you not know, living responsibly. They're the just getting have just got a new car. I need to get the new car. Yeah. Exactly. And he just, he eventually snaps at you. Mm. Now you think this guy's a rich dick, mm. but, and he could be, mm. very well could be, mm. but he could also be a guy who's just not being responsible and not realizing, hey, what is enough? Mm. Or do could I just need be to his... keep up or do I just need to? Like, the other thing is, you know, everybody has problems. Mm. And... To you, they may seem insignificant, but mm. to that person, they are everything. Yes. And as, as Mark Manson says, we're all going to have problems. We just need to make decisions that give us better problems. Yes. So if you're worried about what food you're going to put on the table tonight, you've got a different set of problems to a guy's like, okay, fuck, um, We've had this big fuck up in the factory. It's like a business owner. We have a big fuck up, you know. Am I going to have enough money at the end of the month to pay all my employees? So he's got a different set of problems. Mm. So, he's not worrying about immediate survival. Yeah, he's not worried. He's worried about future problems, yes. but they're different. It doesn't make them any greater or, or mm. less than the person who's worried about what they're going to put on the table yeah. for food. And it's once. The further or the more you change your lower in the Maslow's, yeah, we can bring it back to Maslow's uh, theory. Um, when you solve the bottom problems of the pyramid, the hierarchy of needs, if you solve the shelter, the food, and then the sense of community, slowly you can then start focusing on things that will make your life more meaningful or whatever. But if you're just stressed about, am I going to have a roof over my head and am I going to have food, you're never going to look at that because you, you've got these primal needs that you need to fulfill first before you can fulfill those higher up needs. That's a great way of looking at it. I think we should get coffee. Yeah, I think we're going to stop it here. Stop it here. And right. we... I think we've done, we've covered a shitload. We covered a lot of information, so I think it might not be a bad place to stop it.
Jo. Stop it, ne. Stop it, ne. Stop it. Okay. Thanks, Thank guys, if you've made it this far. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate it. Uh, check us out on Instagram, yeah. Spotify, and get in touch with us on Facebook as well. Yeah. All, we, all we're going to end off with, mm. um, last year we did a project knife. Yes. The Jeffrey. Yes. And uh, exciting news. Exciting news. And the problem with the Jeffrey is that it just keeps coming back. <laughs> it does keep coming back. Um, sorry about that. Thanks, Phone guys. Call. We will check you on the next episode. Check you then. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Open Hearthcast. Find us on Instagram at Open Hearthcast, and we'll see you again real soon.